Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we take a look at all the latest news, plus we review the first week's games in the men's and women's Super Pessis, as well as look at our power rankings and key performers. That's all coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Welcome to episode 40 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me, as ever, is my dear friend and guru on not just everything Pesapolo, but branching out into other sports and becoming Twitch's next sensation. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Yes, now it's finally... Finally, finally, we are able to say that the season is officially underway in every category and every league is underway. And uh, and yeah, it it now now it's starting to feel like summer. And so and it's been so pretty interesting, which we we will get to that soon. So all good. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been watching so many games. I've been following so many things in the news. Um, I I actually forgot what day and week it was and <laughs> what was going on with the podcast. I was so involved in in watching what I was watching. Um, it's been a, it's been a really interesting start to to the season, and it's uh, really exciting. Summer is definitely here now. Um, I've been. Uh, uh, I've been imagining that I'm in in Finland all day <laughs> today. Really wishing I was back over there, um, but uh, we'll dive straight in. So we've had a lot of news since our last um, episode, and going to break down a few of the the key stories. The the first in time was um, to do with Elias Pitkin, and now we talked a little bit uh, last time about the the concerns around the injury he has. Well, we now have confirmation that he's going to be out for the whole season. And obviously that means that KPL's uh, Super Paces team have had to uh, rely on their Ukas Paces pitcher, uh, Vainio. And he's actually been doing a pretty pretty good job um, at the moment. The question is, when he comes across some of those bigger teams, when they're playing against Sodcom or something like that, is is he going to to hold his nerve? Um, Mikko, devastating news for for Elias himself and and for a lot of KPL fans. Is this going to be a significant impact on their season, or do you think Vineo can get them across the line? Unfortunately, I do think that it will be too much of a blow. I mean, I've been impressed with Vineo. And I've been impressed with uh, the level of um, how the team prepares to 
two games. For example, when they when they went to Hubinka and beat Tarko fair and square, and I mean they demolished them in every aspect of the game. And in terms of team managers, that was like that was as one-sided as I can remember because as as one example, when when your pitcher is like <clears throat> when she's uh, sorry, he's using like vara uh, in a tactical sense, and when there's a runner in third base, he used it six times in that game, and on each of those six times, the runner was actually like coming home. So and that was an automatical out. And he only used it six times. So, <laughs> so six out of six. Uh, so the sample size is yeah. not exactly like uh, big, but it it doesn't necessarily just speak of like his tactical sense or nose or whatever you want to call it. But maybe they also had a hunch of how the opponent is going to play and so forth. But but yeah, uh, what actually strikes to me when I watch him play is that his throwing arm is uh, well below average in Superpasis terms. And that will be a big issue when they are facing the like the fastest runners and the best uh, batting lineups of the league like week in week out and of course the main concern is Elias Pitkanen's career and I'm sure that KPL will come true I'm I really hope that Vanya will play uh, a really good season and I wouldn't put it past them that they would get some kind of success but I would be surprised if they would go all the way with him as pitcher yeah I mean it's it's pretty much certain that they'll make the playoffs there's 10 teams making the playoffs of course this year I would be absolutely astounded if they fall down to 11th in the regular season. But it's what happens when they come to the semi-finals or even the finals, if they made it that far. In a five-game series, can they realistically, with Vainio, beat teams like Vimpoli, like Mansa, uh, like Sotkarmo? And I think they'd struggle uh, at the moment. And, and it's a, it is a massive blow, but I'm really impressed with with Vineo stepping into that role, um, thrown into it. I suppose <laughs> wasn't expecting to be there, but of course he'd had um, uh, a, a game or so in the Harley SM and the the, um, the training games as well. But but still, to now be facing this whole season and and beyond is is quite a task. Um, so moving from that piece of news to uh, one that broke uh, earlier this week. Massive shock uh, to a lot of people, but the way it seemed to come out was um, there was an announcement that a player was under an investigation 
um, through uh, the league effectively um, for sending um, abusive messages to underage um, girls. It then turns out that uh, Jonsson Myler have suspended uh, Jonny Rutkinen and it it ties in that Rutkinen is the uh, is the player that we're talking about there. Now, a few hours earlier, he was in the lineup, ready to face Kite. Obviously, a big game for for Yoansu because it's a, a rivalry game, and they're often quite heated games. They're quite close games for whatever reasons. Um. But he was he was scrubbed from the lineup completely, and they had to make a few changes very very quickly. Um, it's a very shocking story. They are just allegations at the moment. There are things being uh, investigated. But from what I understand, Rutkinen had put his side across to the team, and fair play to Yoan Sue. They acted swiftly, decisively. They decided to suspend him. Um, for now, it's it's one of these things we'll have to wait and see how it all turns out, as we often have to say with these things. But um, my, certainly my thoughts, and I know Miko, you as well, are with the victims in this, and we hope that uh, there will be some swift resolution to to everything. But Miko, I'm I, I'm very shocked by this. I'm I'm sure that it's uh, taken a lot of people by surprise. What do you make of this news? You said the most important thing there that uh, we need to start uh, from the victims, and this obviously this whole thing needs to be investigated thoroughly. And uh, I think the process has begun in the best possible manner. Uh, but Okay, there's two things. Uh, first of all, I would say that regardless of what is the actual outcome and the verdict, if it needs to come to that, uh, his reputation will be tarnished uh, indefinitely. I'm for good and uh, to be honest I consider his reputation to be so like volatile also that I he's damaged good to be honest I mean we all know that he's and he's been always a player that has been on the edge that this is not the first kind of a you know, quote-unquote scandal that has been following him, but yeah, but it also needs to be said that there have been times when uh, he's been an absolute artist on the field and uh, broken all the records and stuff like that. But this is something that will effectively end his career. And that is that is my take on it, because after this, even though he can still play, he could still play. And I don't think that uh, I'm, I'm just 
I'm I'm also I'm I'm also I'm shocked and I'm fuming because of the nature of this thing. And I also one thing that I would actually hope for is that when we are doing a Pesapalo podcast, we we wouldn't need your professional like take on things on basically a weekly yeah. basis so it's like we oh. should be here because we are just fans of pesapalo not because you're a lawyer i mean it's like yeah <laughs> so so uh, but yeah. uh, sorry it was just uh should have been joking around a thing like this but but let's just say that, from my understanding, the allegations will be really severe, and uh, and the, and there's also concrete evidence. So I would uh, I would be really very surprised to see him back on the pitch again. And uh, but yeah, enough about that. Uh, I would, I would have a good rant about this, but uh, yeah, let the justice be done first and foremost, and then uh, then we'll see about the other things. Yeah. Well. I, I agree with you. I really don't want to spend too long talking about these things, but it almost feels like we, we, you know, if we don't, we're in in some way um, sweeping it under the carpet. We're not uh, paying enough attention. It's vitally important that people understand that these kind of things do do happen at, at various levels in sports and in other. Um, professions and it's important to have a dialogue it's important to have those conversations um in order to make sure that people feel safe when they want to raise these allegations and and that's really where where our thoughts are um but we want to talk about the sport so we'll move on from that story and we're going to deal very quickly with another <laughs> negative but also very strange story um and that's the suggestion that tony Kohonen has sort of turned into some kind of mi6 agent and become a spy okay maybe i'm i'm over exaggerating a little bit but there was a criminal complaint that was made from the deputy mayor of uh, tampere um as part of this whole kind of Mansa versus Kohan and Kohan versus Mansa kind of scandal. Um, Mikko, are we through the realms of reality and now in some kind of n- nonsense? You know, w- what's going on here? Uh, nonsense is one word. I could use some like explicit language here. <laughs> yeah, if I would be honest about it, but uh, yes, we are. <clears throat> uh, this is some kind of an episode of Black Mirror by now. So uh, 
I, I don't know where we are. And I really like feel that the further I will get from this thing, the better. But 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 I think the essence of this thing, if if I'm being brutally honest, is that like I said before, uh, Kohonen is one of the one of the few people in the sports who has uh, the name, the status of a legend, and he is now willing to go like toe to toe with the with the deputy mayor of Tampere, who has been the like the true leader behind the, the, the well the face of the Monsepepe franchise and who stepped out of the presidency uh, when he became the deputy mayor because he saw that there was a conflict of interest but now they are in a situation where they are getting uh, like tell, telling Kohonen that he's being fired and still this guy is there to actually <laughs> convey the message, like he said, but still, and yeah, and apparently Kohonen took a picture of that particular situation and the people who were there, and that was the <laughs> that was the case that he was, I, I and I have no idea about the law. Uh, uh, regarding this and uh, I uh, well I can reveal that I heard about this pretty like fast after this had happened and I I, I remember that I was just sitting <laughs> sitting at a table like uh, having having coffee uh, with a friend of mine who is not related to Betapalo in any way and uh, at some point he was like well what are you thinking that I was like now I just need to calm down I, I mean I uh, this I, I don't want to I don't want to this thing to get inside my head because it, this also um, makes me kind of yeah it makes me angry <laughs> so it's just surreal yeah um i that was that was my initial thought as soon as i saw the story i, I thought what why I mean, I don't want to read it, but I kind of also do need to read it to try and understand what's happening and why. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 two very big personalities who don't want to back down, who are now throwing everything at one another. Well, yeah, there we go. But we'll move on to um, sort of a, a smaller point of news that I saw I wanted to talk about, which is this idea of video replay challenges because obviously um we've seen more investment from uh, from uh, Ruto and things like that for more multi-camera broadcasts we had an announcement um earlier this week uh, that uh, video replay challenges will be available in all of those games 
which is uh, is very interesting. Um, I always wonder where to draw the line with these things because part of me thinks, well, the challenges slow down the um, the flow of the game. Obviously, there's there's a lot to be said about the tempo and how uh, the pitcher controls that and so on and so forth. Whereas you get a challenge and all of a sudden it kind of stops and slows down and then can completely change the dynamic of and the tactics of the game. And we see this as well in, in things like uh, in football or soccer with VAR. A lot of people really don't like that, but of course they didn't really like what happened with referees before <laughs> and linesmen before that either. So um, there's no perfect solution. Um, but I, do, I always wonder, you know, should we just be letting referees and umpires get on with their job and looking back over those decisions afterwards and and um, and things like that? Or should we be slowing down and say, well, no, let, let's look at this frame by frame in a video and see, did that run across the line before the ball was controlled by that player, etc., etc.? Um, I think that a lot of people will will think various different things with this. Um, Mikko, do you think this is a good move or positive move at all? Well, the way that it's presented or brought in now, uh, I consider that to be actually um, quite an interesting concept because uh, that is the only situation that the teams can challenge that did the player actually get to home base before the ball did. But the umpires, they have, they have the option that they can take a look of some incident that occurred during the game that would have like, um, that, that played a crucial role in how something eventually unfolded. So, in, in that way, uh, that wouldn't necessarily, like, uh, cut the flow of the game or, so to say, not too much. Because you can only challenge one once in a game. And, uh, and just, uh, just like in NFL, for example, that if you... If you lose your challenge, you lose your time out if it's remaining, which will, like, coincidentally, that will also lead up to teams using their uh, timeouts as early as possible. Because if you don't have a timeout <laughs> to begin with, you, you cannot lose it. So, but the other thing that I was thinking, there are actually two things, and I try to be a bit quicker here that, uh, first one, uh, for my understanding, uh, before, uh, at least before this, the frame rate of the cameras that actually do what they do, the um, like the VAR stuff, uh, which is like a false term to use here because it is the actual same umpire who does, <laughs> who goes there towards their own, like... <laughs> Uh, rolling on the field so to say so it's like <laughs> there, there is no Stockley Park there is no war room like 
and in NFL or anything like that. So nobody's watching it from like uh, anywhere anywhere else. But um, but the other thing is uh, the frame rate is like fifty shots in a second. So there is a good chance that it. I mean, it also depends on, for example, so small things that how is, for example, how the glove is positioned. How well can you see when the ball is actually like disappearing from the picture and it goes inside the glove and then it is like considered to be in possession of, of the picture picture so so yeah but that it's not uh, like uh, how would I say it um, it it has it, it does have a lot of like <laughs> uh, holes inside the system it, it, it it's not like false proof or anything like that but but it's it's okay the other thing that I'm more worried about is that now that the umpires have the option to do that what is the level of the teams pressing the umpires that now go see that do that and like apply more pressure to the umpires, even uh, at least in the heated games. Yeah, of course the umpires they they should be that that like they letting them do their job is exactly what we should be doing. And a good umpire crew, they don't give a damn about the pressure that is like uh, applied to them, uh, no matter if they're wrong or right, uh, like. For example, today in Liverpool versus Aston Villa, the umpires were a mess, but that's <laughs> that's life. <laughs> Which, oh yeah, I'm a bit biased here, but but yeah. Uh, all in all, I was not short here, but uh, I think that is good. Hmm. Well, I always think because I I. I obviously follow a lot of different sports around the world as well. Um, I see a lot of video challenges and things in things like rugby, uh, both in rugby union and rugby league. Uh, and that is really can, can be really painful, kind of slowing down the game and all sorts of things like that. But there's one idea I, I wanted to sort of throw into the the, the mix and, and see what you think. In sumo wrestling, <laughs> if there is a decision amongst the judges and they can't they can't make a clear decision they'll say do it again play it again what happens if the game umpires in Pespolo said i can't tell if the ball got home first or the player got there um, to, to home first go back to third and replay the pitch stay start the situation again it, it would that be an interesting thing to consider i'm just throwing out ideas because what do you think <laughs> like straight straight <laughs> off the bat uh, 
Man, I would love to see the like the. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, the response from the people inside the game is like. I mean, I I I can play with the concept and I can entertain it, but I would turn it down. And because also in Persepolis, that's like uh, there's one of the myths and legends that, especially in school, Persepolis, it's like uh, everybody knows the slogan that. Uh, if you cannot decide, it's always the advantage is for the batting team or the runner. The runner has the advantage if the football and the runner arrive uh, to the base at exactly the same time. Now, they never do. That is the thing. But uh, I think that the advantage should be... Uh, with the runner, if that is the case. But first and foremost, uh, I think that the starting point should be the ruling that has been given on the field. And if there is sufficient evidence that comes from the video uh, that it can be overturned, then it could be done, but but once again, I, I was actually asked about this thing, and I, uh, I I I call my caught a friend of mine uh, who has been an umpire in Superpasses and asked about this. That how does it go? Is it like the ruling of the field? Is that what has to be overturned, or do they kind of start from scratch? And his opinion was that they had to start from scratch when they go to watch. But once again, they are humans and they, they are, that is the same exact umpire who is going there to challenge their own ruling on the field. So, so it's like... <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie that back in with uh, with part of my job actually, just very quickly before we take a break, because, um, okay, so when a judge makes a decision in a court in England and Wales, and you want to appeal it, you have to get permission, and you have to get permission first of all from. The judges just made the decision. <laughs> so as soon as they've given their, their judgment, you go, yeah, I don't like that. I think you're wrong. Do you think you're wrong? Can I have permission to appeal you? You're wrong, aren't you? And they're clearly going to say, no, I'm not wrong. Um, so I've never seen a judge say, yes, absolutely. You can have uh, permission to appeal my decision. I clearly was wrong. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, but there we are. So uh, we'll take a short break now, and then we'll finally be talking about the games.
Okay, so uh, welcome back. Uh, we're done with the news now. We're moving on. We're moving on to the thing that we really want to talk about, and that's the games. And Mika, we've had some great games already this season. Um, few of them in particular caught my eye. We'll talk about the men's support paces first. Obvious big one for, for me was um, Sotkomo against Mansa, and um, Sotkomo walked away with the victory. It was a pretty uh, tense match. Um, father and son reunited on other sides of the uh, um, of the spectrum, I suppose. Uh, you could say Yannick uh, Omlainen as uh, game manager and Alpo Omlainen as pitcher for Mansa and Sotkomo, respectively. Um, but it was it was really interesting to watch. I, I got the sense that Monster were just a little bit rusty in comparison to Saltcomer, but but barely noticeable. Um, Mikko, what did you make of that game? It was it, it was like we're talking mid-May and it had some playoff feeling to it. So it was actually like it was kind of an old-time like. There was it was kind of heated, and uh, they, they had really like charged themselves <laughs> for this game. There was a lot of energy. There was a lot of uh, the quality of the game was good, and uh, it could have gone either way. I think that Monza is lacking one or two uh, quality players right now. Uh, in their roster and they are still like working stuff out and uh, whereas I would say that Sotkamo is looking really solid their outfield is if not the best one of the best easily in the league and uh, in the batting batting lineup there will be major development still but for example the point runner uh, Elmeri Purmonen has slotted in like perfectly and he's he's really fast <laughs> right now so uh, Sotkamo is looking good Mansa is also looking good uh, yeah good quality game yeah I mean the, the, the turning point for me that just kind of Gave Sotkamo that kind of momentum was uh, Nico Korhonen's uh, home run. As soon as that, it was beautifully placed ball. Um, as soon as that happened, Sotkamo were on the rise. They obviously then uh, got themselves to a 4 1 lead. But this is Mansa. You can't count them out of a comeback. And, um, uh, you know, Henry Paputi with, uh, with two runs, one in the third and one in the fourth inning brought them within that that just one run uh, difference between the two teams. Um, it seems a shame Mansa end up with no points and Sotkamo only end up with two because it was such a great game. Um, but like you say, they had this this real kind of energy behind it, this this um, uh, almost playoff feel about it. And we're still in May, so there's a lot still to come from both of these teams. Um, and it was really exciting uh, to see. Now, the next game that I wanted to um, talk about was um, Yonsu's uh, comeback victory um, over Kite. And that was the day, as I say, that um, Yoni Rudkinen was uh, suspended as well. 
it was it was quite an emotional game for for Yonsu, obviously. Um had to make some last minute changes. Um and the way that uh your Hucklin just dropped that ball into right outfield um to to finish the game was incredible. Um <laughs> I know you and I were talking about this at the time. We thought, "Oh, Kite's got this in the bag. They've brought the um, they've uh, they've scored uh, three runs in the Super Oro. So uh, there's no way back from this, surely, for for Yonsu now. But uh, an incredible ball and just looped over the outfielder. Um, Michael, what did you make of the game overall? Well, for, first of all, I think that. Also, both of these teams are looking pretty solid, and uh, Kite will have more of like ups and downs during the season. I think that uh, Johansson will be disappointed that they didn't come up with three points, but they were really, really close to just like. Uh, to have to settle for one and uh but yeah hocklin also made the kind of an like 10 year old <laughs> mistake like a not even a rookie mistake but one of those where you just uh, you just go to the next situation and as a, like as an outfielder you just uh, your mind like switches off a bit, and you just you don't play the situation true. I mean, uh, it was a routine move, and then just uh, it turned out to be a home run. Uh, but then the the hit that you were mentioning was that uh, when you when you hit the ball. Even though the trajectory of the ball was not that high, because he hits it kind of hard, uh, I know that a lot of outfielders they do have some visibility issues. Like they 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 cannot see the ball. And when I was watching the outfielder there in that particular moment, you, I could see the end people watching the game could see that there was just just a small moment, not even a second, where he loses, he lost the ball, and he didn't know where it is anymore. And after that, when he realized that, okay, it's flying over me, then that's like, <laughs> I, I, I can tell that have, uh, having stood there for 20 years on that <laughs> particular pitch, on that particular position, that is the the only thing that you can hope for is that it would be uh, like out of bounds, <laughs> but it, that was not. And uh, of course, when you when you play there long enough, uh, the you learn to look at the ball uh, in the like the right way. But first of all, he was a makeshift outfielder for that game, and the second one was that. We are still like in May, so the nights are not that 
the evenings are the, it it was getting a bit dark so it, it was that is not something that you can get used to even even if it's your home page or anything but uh kita is still having some like they're not they don't have all the pieces of the puzzle fit together as of now but i think that yonso's performance in a vacuum if we take the Brutkonen incident out of it i i think they were like kind of energetic and good in that game uh did they deserve their point could have had two but uh i i think that johnson's start has been actually quite convincing mm. Yeah, I mean, just looking at, uh, at the games uh, played so far, I mean, Akite have, have played pretty well. Um, they've not been the easiest two games that they've had. I mean, um, Yumi Yusid, you know, they're, they're, they're not bad as a team. There's there's uh, some skill level there. And Yon's obviously the, there's a uh, revitalized lineup a, a little bit there as well. Uh, and it's a local rivalry type game. Um, I was quite interested to see um, Arko Ketanen's um, performance in the game. Two home runs. Um, that was that was incredible from from him. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I mentioned before it was the Super Four, but of course it was the scoring contest. So my apologies with uh, with that. Um, the next game, obviously, then that. Uh, I wanted to talk about was the season opener for Vimpley and of course for Aliarvi as well. Local rivalry uh, between the two, but a gulf between them in terms of um, performance. Vimpley at the very top of their game and Aliarvi just barging into uh, Super Pesis after their championship win last year. Um, been quite in. Pressed actually with with Ali Yarvi just uh, nicking a, a few points here and there um, so far, but when you when you put them side by side with Vimpoli, you see the class difference between the top end of Super Pesis and the top end of Urkis Pesis, and it is very different. And in particular, the difference I saw was in the way in which uh, the team fielded. And just the ball would drop nice and neatly for Vimpoli between fielders, and there was nothing Ali Arvi could do. Put the same ball into the field with Vimpoli, and it's caught. It's 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 easily thrown to uh, to the runner, uh, you know, get the runner out of the base. It it seemed effortless for Vimpoli that game, and they scored quite highly as well. Um, Mikko, what did you make of that game? Alay Arabi has, yeah, they have actually been uh, like a. I think their start has been positive. I think they have some young, talented players uh, in their core. Uh, they have good young players coming up as well. 
but such is the nature of this sport that it will get ugly and it will get ugly soon. So in the first Yakso, uh, it was quite good, but we all knew that this like well-oiled machine of Vimpeli would like uh, when they get like when they start to fire uh, with all cylinders like this we saw last season that uh, last season there was no team that had any response to that and when you have just been promoted it's just, it's like you just hold your hands up and you just wish for the best yeah. So that's like, uh, there will be a lot of games this season too, where we'll be, we will all have this conversation again, that well, what is the right amount of teams and what is like, this blah, blah, blah. So I think that it was just natural, uh, the other team is playing for the championship. The other one is playing, fighting against relegation. So it's like, that's, that's just how it goes. And, uh, Fimpel is looking good. Well, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, that's my take. Mm. Well, moving on then from the men's to the women's super basis, again, a few games I wanted to um, talk about here, particularly, obviously, the replay, as it were, of last year's final Kiritaret uh, uh, beating Mainza. Now, I was really intrigued to see this. Obviously, we talked in our previews about how there was this loss of experience, this loss of talent from Kriteret and whether they would come into the season and be uh, th this uh, well-oiled machine ready to go up against uh, the very top teams again, or whether they were a team that were going to have to grow into that role. Clearly there's, there's the talent there, but the big, big changes from last year. Um, I was quite surprised, and it all started with the first inning. Um, Kiritaret just came to the plate and were were ready to play, and, and Mansa again they seemed a little bit uh, a little bit rusty. I, I'd say not not quite hitting the mark, not quite getting to the the position where the ball was going, not quite making those plays uh, in time, and. I, I don't know what it was, but um, Kiritaret obviously then uh, went on to win the game. But it was it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Um, it was actually a really good game overall. I, I'm nitpicking here, you know. I'm 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 seeing the very slight differences, um, but again, it was another incredible game to watch. Uh, Mikko, what was your take? I, I think that you summed it up perfectly. So. I mean, the margins are very small. The, I mean, both teams were well prepared. Uh, in the crucial moments, uh, Kiretaret were just executing better. So that was the, and of course, both, both teams are rusty at this point, but 
But yeah, there are still some teething problems in Kiritaret, and there will be. I mean, you replace living legends of the game with a 20-year-old like super talent. Uh, that will be good in time, in all probability. But also, it's uh, it will take time. But it was a great game. Yeah, so I'm I'm really interested to see how how um, both of those teams will shape up as we get towards the end of the season, and I have no doubt that there's a there's a really good chance that these two teams will meet at some point in the postseason as well. It'll be interesting to contrast and look back on this game and say, well, how far have they come, and, and Kriteret in, in particular. Um, the next game I wanted to talk about was the other end of the table, as it were, and that's uh, a, a challenge between two relegation prospects, um, Roy Huteret and Hamina. Now, last year we saw Roy Huteret really struggling during the regular season until they they found this spark just before they went into the postseason. And obviously Hamina won the championship from Urkaspesis last year. Now, this season, these two teams will play each other four times in the regular season. This was the first of those four encounters. And Hamina walked away with the full three points. That's an impressive uh, marker to put down between these two teams. I actually thought that the game was pretty evenly balanced in the first yak, so, um, but uh, it was Taro Toika from Hamina who really just exploded in that game and just found the, the perfect spots to drop the ball. Um, Miko, what did you make of this game? These are the finals like, that HB needs to win. This, these are the games. Uh, the games against the uh, likes of Rajutaret uh, and Dako and a couple of other teams. But to get three points out of those, it's those are massive, massive points. And uh, the, the question before the season that I represented in my season preview was that who will step up and uh, hit the necessary runs for for Amina because they have a, a couple of options that are up and rising, but they are they were more of an outfielding team, like in a sense. And we all know that the gap uh, coming from Ecospecies to Superpecies, as a, for example, as a choker, that is the golf is because the outfields are so much better so to for her to hit the stride like uh, straight out the gate uh, that's that can be crucial for the whole season and uh, and the, like on the other hand I have not been impressed at all yeah, with the manner of like how Roy Hutaret have started their season and how they are playing 
and what, but I could go on about that. But it, still, the sample size. We're talking two, three games per team. So uh, let's let's go on a bit more. But but yeah, three points uh, as a team that has just been promoted. Uh, there's there's no better um, way to gain confidence uh, for for the games to come. Mm. Well, Hamina last year um, they only scored 171 runs in the regular season, which was actually the the seventh highest in the women's circus species. Seventh. <laughs> but their defence was so good that they only conceded 92 runs. I mean, their closest uh, rivals, I suppose, in, in um, and that was in the Northern Division, uh, allowed 133. That's a massive difference. So it was their defence that, that won it last year, and it was obvious to see when you watch the games back. Um like you say, there's 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 a number of options for for scoring runs, um, but meeting that super basis level, it's it's a big leap, it's a big step up, and from an offense that really wasn't the most powerful or the biggest on the scene in Urkaspesis last year, it will be a struggle, and it's surprising to see that Taru Toika has has really uh, ramped up, especially in that that game. Um, it's interesting to see how these things will will unfold. But a, a three points already on the board is is an interesting one for them. We'll see what happens when Hamina go to Roihuvori, Whether they can pick up points there, or whether um, Roihu will uh, will take away the three points. Then it's perfectly perfectly plausible. Um, but yeah, the, the the other game I wanted to talk about from the women's super basis was at Mylatret. Now, we'd seen a lot of uh, changes and shifts from them. And one of the teams that they are really vying for in that kind of playoff spots again this year is Taco. And Taco haven't had a great start uh, so far. But Mylatret's big second yakson proved to be the, the edge that gave them victory um, against Tarko this week. Um, Mika, what did you make of, of that game? Well, I could like <laughs> echo the words that I just uh, <clears throat> said about the other game. Uh, so I, I, I think that, well, these are obviously the games that a team like uh, Mailataret they need to, especially at home, close games like that against the opponents that are fighting for the same spots. They are like, it's a no brainer that they need to come up with something from these games. And, and also as importantly, leave their opponents without any points. So, even though they only managed to get two, it was like two is very good when your opponent doesn't get any. And 
I think that in the initial power rankings, uh, most most people place these teams at somewhere between seven and ten to fight for the playoff spot. So every game is a is a huge one. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what statistic really caught my eye from this game, and that's uh, the number of runs scored from the number of third base situations that they had. So both teams had 13 third base situations in the game. Malatret scored 11 runs from those 13 situations to Tarko's 5. Now that is a big difference and it's that kind of ability that that's really noticeable and if Malatret find that um, they can do that in these type of games against teams like Tarko then they'll easily make the playoffs. I mean, not not high up in the, in the rankings, but they'll be secured uh, in in those final spots in the playoffs. It's that kind of difference. It's it's making the chances actually work for you, and and taking them and, and scoring the runs. Um, it's early days. <laughs> we'll see how it goes in the season, but. That statistic really stood yeah. out for me. Uh, that is a huge one if you score 11 out of 13, but it's also a fact that like, you cannot repeat that week in, week out. So, so once again, I'm referring to the, to the sample size and the statistics so that if we are talking that if they, if they can approach, say, 40% uh, efficiency in those scoring situations throughout the season, then they can have a, they might, may have a chance. And they need the well. First of all, they need to create those scoring chances. But and then we, the next topic could be that we could talk about the, like the statistics system in Betabalo, which is something that we both agree that, yeah, that it's like. Well, I I can just. Uh, I won't go there now. Yeah, because I don't want this to be a three-hour episode or anything like that. But I will just say that the scoring chances is, uh, as such, is uh, has proven out to be uh, quite like a bad indicator of anything of any value, like. If we are comparing that to the actual like standings and so forth, but I've been doing that like under the radar for a couple of years now and uh, five six years or so, and you can draw some things out of that, but it's by no by any means it's not something that you can. Just like, just take a look that, okay, they played well, or they didn't play well. But anyway, that's enough about that. Yeah. 
So moving from some specific games to looking at the power rankings, um, things may shift a little bit between uh, recording of this and um, the podcast going out because we've got a number of games on Sunday and we're recording this on the Saturday. But at the moment, um, KPL are top of my power rankings followed by South Cornwall, um, Yoin Su, and then surprisingly... Patioki, or should I say your <laughs> Patioki, because this was the team that you uh, mentioned in our previews as being one of the the teams that has great potential that maybe this year they can unlock it um, and could be a surprise package. Not They're not going to go on to win championships or anything like that, but they could be one of those teams that people say, actually, that was a great year from them. Um, and they've started pretty well. Um, just looking in terms of top performers as well, we've seen um, Mikhail Makala scoring eight runs, four runs in games against Vimpoli and four runs in a game against Kempele as well. I mean, that's that's incredible um, kind of stuff from them. They uh, managed to take points uh, away, have, well, a point away from uh, from Vimpoli as well. So, Mikkel, what do you make of, uh, of Patioki's start to the uh, season this year? Well, they have com- like continued that level of overachieving that they started last year. And if they were a breath of fresh air last year, now we are seeing that they are really growing to into being a, the real deal. And players such as Makela, who has been like... <sighs> a couple of like a, a lot of people like myself included have been raving about him uh, a couple of years uh, too early actually but but this season we have seen that uh, now he has matured as a runner and as a point runner is like it, it's ridiculous. I mean, the speed is absolutely ridiculous, and the way that he accelerates and like uh, his consistency is also looking really good. Uh, the the lineup is still lacking some players, of course, but uh, we and then we are coming to the situation uh, of Toppy Steel as the Feature uh, next next up, but uh, yeah, really impressed, and uh, they have transformed their team amazingly well. And Perto Vesterson is doing an amazing job over there, getting his teams to overachieve year after year. Yeah, well, they. They're kind of lovable rascals, I probably call them, because I, I love the way that they work on uh, in games. I love the, the kind of tactics that they come up with. Um, and like you say, Toppy Still, we were talking in our previews about wondering where the direction is from this club, where they are going to go, how they're going to end up. There's a lot of concerns and issues in terms of finances in the background and 
the the number of uh, attendees at games drops. There's a lot of um, people disappearing from the region as well, of course, as well. But we had the news as well that Doppy still has re-signed with the team for an extra two years. Well, there's a bit of direction, isn't it? You know, they're going to hang on to this uh, this pitcher, and he's actually doing a, a decent job. Um, so the the other key performer I'd um, seen is Yukubekovani um, Ompa, of course. One home run and eleven RBIs. The man's <laughs> the man's a demon. I I know. Obviously, we've we've seen some um, fairly mismatched games so far with with them uh, this year, but he just finds ways to score runs. Whatever, he's just out there having fun, isn't yeah, he, Mikko? That's what he's doing. I mean, the man's he's he's the nicest guy that you you're ever gonna come across to. And uh, when he's out there playing, he's not like stressed or anything like that. And I, I would say that this year, when when he has achieved that, like a loading championship, and was crowned as the player of the year as the first Joker ever. Now his like body language is even more relaxed in a good sense. So he's like, like, like you said, the man's a demon. He's like, when when he keeps going out like that, he's like, well, yeah, if he only hits one, <laughs> we're good in this situation. But um, just to go back really quickly to the situation that you mentioned regarding Batioki, is that... Uh, now, if they manage to keep hold of these young players, I have actually started to think that okay, it's always harder to uh, to do it like like building a team from young players and then trying to get people to the stands and trying to get people on, and businesses in like the organization in a better shape. But I have started to wonder that could this actually be a case of if you build it, they will come. Because uh, if there is like if you if you do have this young exciting core that plays an exciting brand of Pesapal, the people may very well come to the stands, and that may become like a huge thing once again. So you never know, but. It's still early days, but uh, but yeah, that's what I just wanted to say. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in in terms of um, women's uh, statistics as well, I haven't done the power rankings for, for them yet at the time of recording, but um, obviously uh, Taro Toika had been doing really well. We talked already uh, about her, but one of the other things I noted from this statistics is just how many runners we've got uh, from Lapua who have multiple runs already. Uh, Petra Kerola has uh, five runs and uh, Kaisa Perajo has four runs uh, so far this season. 
early days, but really encouraging things from from them so far. Uh, would you agree, Mako? Yeah, but as you remember, they are the number one team. So, <laughs> so yeah. We... Okay. Admittedly, they have played two home games against teams who are not of their caliber. So, it's like, once again, the jury is still out there, but uh, we have seen glimpses of what they are capable of. And, oh, what can I say? They are a team that can, for me, they can bat anybody down. I mean, if the other team scores five, six, even in a Yaxo, they can score eight or nine. But now they have an outfield that they don't need to do that. So, for me, they are looking very good. And uh, obviously, question marks there, but but yeah, my number one team. Well, they've had an, an easier start to the season, perhaps, than uh, than some other teams. Um, but there are two games back-to-back on the horizon, which will be very interesting to see. And that is when Lapua take on Puri. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that at the back end of this month. It's actually not too, too far away at the time of recording. Um, so those will be the key games. Um, So that'll just about uh, do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank my co-host Mikko Pirhonen. Thanks. Thank you a lot. It's uh, great to finally to be able to talk talk about the games as well as the legal issues. Yes. Um, And uh, from me, Ian Alba, Uh, Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. Uh, Please do like or subscribe. Please uh, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to know more about me and the things that I write, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at SuperPesisR. Or you can also read articles on the blog. That's SuperPesisRoundup.wordpress.com. And you'll also find me writing occasionally on Hamina's website. Uh, But from me, Ian Alba, we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away